That's Hebrews 11, 32 to 38. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weak weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and flogging, and others, and further, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, people of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, on mountains, and sheltering in caves and holes in the ground. Good morning. We approach the conclusion or the summary of this section of Hebrews, which is chapter 11, although I believe chapter 11 should have started a few verses before when the author said, do not shrink back in faith. And he was shifting to the topic of faith and I believe that should have been included. And in the same way, we will stop near the end of chapter 12, but not entirely in chapter 12. There is an application for chapter 11 and even before that, the application would be the beginning of chapter 12, although I believe it started at the end of chapter 11. Who am I to say these things? I am simply a student of scripture. If I remind you here that the original Bible did not have numbers. It was men who thought they should be divided in chapters. There was one bishop, a single person, not a committee, not a group of theologians, but a single person started putting chapters. And then there's this printer, also a scholar, but he was not a scholar, theological scholar, a scholar of another discipline. He owned a printing press and he thought maybe let's put numbers. And he started putting numbers and he did it while riding on a horse, maybe a carriage, from one place to another. And there was not really much study given. That's why do not be confined with these verses. Do not take them out of their context. You have to read Hebrews as a whole. You don't suddenly say, oh, chapter 11 is about the Hall of Fame of Faith, and that's the only reason why it's there. No, you have to see it in the context since chapter 1 until the end. What was the author's purpose logically? Why did he put it there? And remember that since chapter 1, he was making the thesis that Jesus is superior to every part of Judaism. Because he was speaking, he was writing to Jewish believers then who were being recruited back to Judaism, telling them to deny Christ publicly, which is apostasy. That was the issue he was facing. That was the issue he was wanting to fix. So he wrote a letter. Well, it's not a simple letter, like a short letter. It's, like, it's an epistle. It's like a, 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 an argument 
stating who Christ is. And he has been emphasizing who Christ is. And he has been warning the people that if you do not have faith in him, there are consequences. In fact, he had several warnings here. And one of the key verses was in chapter 10. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Then from that, therefore, do not shrink back in faith. Then he discusses faith. And then chapter 12 and 13, we'll see their practical righteous living. Many of us preachers are guilty on only teaching the practical righteous living, not teaching the theology behind the first chapters. The basis of practical righteous living is chapter 1 to 11, more or less. When I say more or less because I don't agree fully with all the divisions of the chapters, like many other preachers. The author of the epistle to Hebrews instructed the recipients to continue in the faith and not shrink back. Remember that context. So, so this is not just a chapter dedicated to honor the past heroes. That is not the purpose. The purpose of this is so that they will strengthen their faith. That is the purpose. So that they will not deny Christ, that they will continue in the faith despite the trials, and not only that, that they would even advance the kingdom, although that was not clearly stated. We would say that it is implied. They should continue in the faith and not shrink back. But he also defined faith. Nowadays, when you say faith, people think it's your religion. Not according to chapter 11, verse 1, where faith is the certainty, the assurance of things hoped for. It's like a title deed. You are sure. This is the proof that I own that piece of land. The word of God is proof. It's a certainty of things hoped for. Hope for what? The promises of God. The evidence of things not seen. One is that the promises of God in Christ. He defined what faith is. And he explained in verse 6 that without faith... It is impossible to please God. So how do we please God? It begins with faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word of God. In verse 3, it says there, we know by faith that God, through his word, created the universe. Through what? His word. So we hear, we see the promises of God where that was previously in, in uh, before chapter 11, that we should trust God in his promises in Christ, but also saying that faith is related to God and his word. By his word, he created the universe. So faith begins, what? In the word of God, in the promises of God in Christ. That's how to please God. And I'd like to say it's not emotionalism, although our emotions must be sanctified and used for the glory of God. You want emotions that are filled with love. You want emotions that have the fear of God. You want as well emotions when you worship God where you are full of joy and peace and thanksgiving. Yes, we need that. But what is the root of all those? It should be faith in the word of God. That is the root of those expressions. But if you think that alone is what makes you intimate with God, you treat God like a human being, humanizing God too much is dangerous. 
although we have clues in who we are about God a little bit because we were made in the image of God, but we are still not on the same class, not on the same level because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's why we trust in his word more than we trust ourselves. It's about faith in the word of God. I believe without a doubt what his word says. And when we say word, that's why we need to study. It is not just like quoting irresponsibly verses here and there and proving your point. Every verse you quote, you have to make sure that's the meaning. The meaning you put into it is a similar meaning or same meaning as the author did. And then align that to the grand plan of God, the macro view of Scripture. And what's the macro view of Scripture? Well, God's plan for the ages is the coming of Christ. Where man fell in the garden and there was sin. And the evil reigned over the earth and God chose a man. Abraham and the beginning of the salvation story Well, it did not literally begin there. It began with Eve when God promised Eve. But we know a concrete plan was in place. Abraham will have children and there will be a nation where Messiah would be born one day. When would Messiah be born? In the fullness of time. What was the fullness of time? At that day when Christ came, there was somewhat a semblance of an international language. And it's beautiful, Greek. And somehow Rome consolidated the, the many nations of the world, not all, but the many nations of the world that they, so the known world at that time in Europe were connected, very well connected, so as after the risen, the Christ has risen, the apostles could move from place to place because Rome has connected it and Rome adopted Greek as a culture and as a language In the fullness of time, God planned it in perfect time. We believe. Faith results in works. We don't focus on the works. It's just the output of it because we have faith. Without works, your faith is dead. But it's really faith because the works is a manifestation. If faith is really there, then there must be obedience. It's not works you're forcing yourself to obey, but because you believe in God, you have faith in Him. And because of your faith, by God's grace, even you have given that faith by God, He gives you a new heart. He writes His commands, His laws in your mind and heart so that you want to obey. That is the result of faith. The desire for God. The desire for His Word. It baffles me sometimes, well, not really, when some people claim to be Christians and claim to be saved, but no hunger for the Word of God. I question you. No hunger for God's Word. Well, You know what they say, if you're truly alive, you'll be hungry, right? Babies get hungry, and the the mother's job is to take care of the baby, especially that part, the hunger part. 
true believers learn to be hungry. If there is faith, it results in works. It's an outflow. The author concluded this section by describing some of the mighty exploits, mighty adventures of the people of faith, and he also mentioned how some of them endured as refugees and how they faced suffering and how they died in faith. Even until death, some of them endured through faith. They believed until death. And that is a very important doctrine in Christianity. The truly saved will persevere until the end. If God has truly chosen you, you will persevere until the end. Yet he also mentioned that not all of them died. Some of them escaped by faith, escaped death, and they conquered kingdoms. Let's look at the first point, the people of faith. The author listed names from Jewish history, such as Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. All lived by faith. And you know what? He's just implying, hey, they lived by faith. We should continue in faith. He's saying to the Jewish believers, the author was writing to them, you see, these who lived during that time, and he even mentioned Moses there, and David, who were under the law already, yet it was not really about the law. It was really about faith. Let's look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets. In the time of the writing, somewhere in the mid-1860s, the author and the other apostles looked back at Christ, what Christ did, but they even went further looking back at the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. They looked at these Old Testament notable figures, amazing stories, and they were saving, saying it's by faith. He's saying in, in the ancient writings, it's been about faith in God, and the focus was not legalism, but faith towards God. We're not anti-obedience. We want obedience, but we know that obedience is a manifestation of faith because you believe, not because you have to, not because you're forced to. Remember when you were kids, when your parents told you to do something at home for your own sake, to wash your hands before eating, and some of you, <laughs> I already washed my hands. When? This morning. No, it's evening. Wash it again. For your own sake, teach it to be clean with your surroundings. It's for your own sake. But because earlier you did not believe it, you were forced to do it, you were not happy doing it. You had to do it because you were told to. That's like the law. But later on you understood the importance and purpose of what your parents told you then you suddenly believe. Then you do it because you believe in it. Why do we brush our teeth? Well, we don't want toothaches. 
why do we have to be careful with a lot of things? Well, to protect us. But it's the parallel ends somewhere because the difference with Christ is the Father draws you to him and gives you the grace to obey him. Gives you the grace and the faith to obey him. You see, as they look back there, coming back to us, who do we look back to? Well, we look at the Christ and the New Testament. The authors of the Bible. The apostles. We look back there. We look back further. We also look back in the Old Testament because we know as Christ said in Luke 24 that he is the center there. And then the author concludes his list by saying that there was not enough time to tell the stories of the men of faith in the Old Testament, meaning this is not a complete list. That's why this is not really the Hall of Fame of Faith. Well, only heaven has that book. I hope we find our names there one day. Only heaven has that book. So the author is saying, well, I have limitation. His point being was, as they obeyed in faith, as they had faith, so should you continue in faith. They suffered, but they continued in faith. They did mighty things, but they continued in faith. Whatever happens, whatever is happening in your life, we have to continue in faith. Next point, faith conquers. The listed names through faith did mighty exploits. The weak became strong, acted in righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths, shut the lions, and more. So what does this mean? Again, it's an encouragement to the Jewish believers receiving the letter that faith can conquer and they should conquer by his grace. Let's read verse 33. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, take note, some promises that were given were fulfilled, but not everything. Like Abraham, you would see that the promises of a nation happened, but the heavenly, the heavenly kingdom, when he was alive, he did not see it. So it is a partial obtaining of promises. Shut the mouths of lions, and we know this is the story of Daniel. Um... Quench the fire, the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the book of Daniel. Escape the edge of the sword. How many? So many of them. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. We have the stories of Jehoshaphat. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were Tortured, we know of the story of Elisha and Elijah praying for the dead boys coming back to life. What's the difference with their resurrection? It's not an eternal resurrection. They died again when they grew old or something. We don't know. But Christ's resurrection is different because it's eternal. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they may, might obtain a better resurrection. You know, they were okay with the suffering because they know the reward. And, and that's in verse 6 as well. Knowing who rewards, it's okay. I mean, my reward does not come from humans. It comes from God. From God alone. 
the Old Testament heroes of faith lived adventurously. It's amazing. Reading the Old Testament, it's like reading an adventure book or watching a war movie. It's just amazing, these stories of faith. Through faith, they accomplished the improbable, improbable, mathematically improbable, and impossible. The weak became strong, and moreover, they became mighty in battles. You see, many times in, in, in the stories of, the, of old, God turned around their situation. From almost being defeated, God would turn it around. And that is the God we serve. So we always hope and pray if we are going through a tough time that God, by his grace, through his will, would turn things around. The author encouraged the recipients of the letter to continue in the faith and perhaps God will allow them to conquer in his name. Because some of those listed conquered, but not all. The conquest is enough that they endured. That was already a conquest by itself, but others have a more physical manifestation. In the New Testament, in what ways did the apostles conquer? The New Testament, not only the apostles, but the believers. Not just the apostles, in the New Testament, in what ways? By making disciples, proclaiming the gospel. They experienced miracles in his name, and they overcame their fears. They overcame their fears. In the book of Acts, there's no conclusion there, because the story continued till today. You see first the Jerusalem believers, apostles, and then Paul, a scholar, Pharisee a Jewish doctor, educationally. Persecuted the church, made the church suffer. And then God called him. And God said, I will show this man how much he will suffer for me. And that he did. And in suffering, Paul conquered. In what way? Many chapters. Many churches were planted. He had to write them, to teach them again because of certain problems. And right now we have almost half the New Testament written by Paul the Apostle. Next point, faith endures. It is not just about conquest. It is also about endurance through suffering, persecution, and martyrdom. Yes, dying for the glory of his name. And finally, the author encouraged the Jewish believers to face their present situation by faith. Verse 36, let's read, and others experienced mocking and flogging and further chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. History believes that this was Isaiah, although not in the Bible, but, but other Jewish writers wrote about Isaiah being sawed in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, 
people of whom the world was not worthy. These people who suffered for him, the world was not worthy of them. So let me go a side note quickly. So people, let's change our perspective. Hey, listen. Change the perspective on who you admire. These were probably unknowns. Nameless, not even named here. Faceless, we can't remember the face. Who do we admire? People we've never met. We should admire these who suffered in his name. Well, the world admires what? The world admires wealth and fame. Kaya ibang magulang na hindi pa nagbago pag-iisip, yun din ang ambisyon sa anak. That you may be famous and wealthy. I have nothing against growing what God gives us. Take note. I have nothing against that. But that is not the mindset. The mindset is what? You look at scripture, son, daughter. Look at scripture. We look at scripture. And if we, by God's grace, if he be willing enough to grant us the grace to be used by him on earth mightily, that is our ambition. No, no, no. So many people I meet, their mindset is so earthly. And you're talking about Christians for 20 years. They wandered the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. That's why we want to be remembered by the message and faith we have. Not because we are admirable in our other qualities. You know, in the same way during that time, the letter recipients experienced persecution and social discrimination. And property loss because they believed in the gospel. And the author encouraged them to endure through faith like the Old Testament heroes. Magtiis, magtiaga sa ngalan ni Jesus. The author made a paradoxical statement. It's a paradox. The world was not worthy of such men who suffered for their faith in God. Many people may look down on those who suffered for their faith. Perhaps in gener this generation, it's valid. Yet the author stated that those who suffered severely for their faith were people of great worth. And today's self-centered society so focused on even called the selfie generation. It's about me, my opinions. Change your dreams. Change your dreams, my friends. Change the way you think. I don't want a worldly church. I don't want to lead a church that's so earthly in mindset. Application, so what? We live by faith. 
We live by faith like the Old Testament heroes listed in Hebrews 11. Yet let us not forget the people of faith in the New Testament. Let us let their faith inspire us to persevere in faith. So, are you a man or woman of faith? This is the end of Hebrews 11. Are we? Or you're not. You're a double-minded person. You believe and not believe. You obey and not obey. You have so many rule breakers. I'll obey when it's convenient. If it's not convenient, I will not obey. No, no, my friends, even if it's inconvenient, we should live in faith. Do you believe in the promises of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? If you do, then we will have an eternal mindset, a mindset of eternity. We prepare for what? We prepare to meet the maker. We prepare to meet the maker. Because one day we will. And if our lives have been more for just me, myself, and I, you're not ready to meet your maker. You must have faith. And to have faith, what is the manifestation of faith? It's him, not us. As John the Baptist said, said he must increase, I must decrease. As Paul in Galatians chapter 2 said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer my life, he's saying. It's the Christ life in me now. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. The new things have come. If you do have faith, I encourage you to grow in faith by believing and obeying God's word. If not, if you think you don't have genuine faith, then I encourage you to begin believing with all your heart. Which means you have to believe in the gospel and God's word, which should manifest in what? In obedience. You know, we must pray, may the memory of our name, like these people in chapter 11, and like the New Testament apostles, may the memory of our name inspire others to have faith. Whether it's within our family, whether it's our grandchildren, or whether it's the future believers coming to this church. But even if you go away, meaning if you leave or you go to heaven in advance, we remember. And we are inspired. And people will tell your stories and your story glorifies God. Your story does not glorify you that our stories may glorify God. We live by faith. Let our names, what's your name? Huh? What's your name? Does it mean anything in the halls of faith? Does it mean a thing? Or it means nothing at all? I inspire you as we grow together. That's what we're doing. That's why the consistent, slow step of learning God's word together, even in small groups, coming to church and learning other things, 
growing, correcting ourselves, receiving correction, encouraging others, serving, humbly serving others, learning to deal with our pride and arrogance and jealousy and envy, learning to grow in the faith, in the knowledge of God, so that one day, our lives, by God's grace, as His Spirit works in us, our lives will be transformed, and people would say, once upon a time, I know this person. He used to be this person who did these things that were unpleasant, or at least he was not he was not a servant of God. He has no hunger for Scripture. But through time, people would say, oh, I know that guy. Persons change. And you know, as a pastor, that's what I observe and wait for. You see, all of us have flaws and weaknesses, especially me. All of us. But as a pastor, that's what you observe. As a growth group leader, that's what you're waiting for, praying for. That we are transformed and they are transformed and their names, the memory of their names would say, this is a faithful person in Christ although I don't want to say that directly to people, it might inspire pride, and we don't want that. So we tell, I tell their stories to others. What does their name mean, or what do you want it to mean? All your life you've been thinking of paying the bills. That's not life. That's not living adventurously, paying the bills. Of course you should pay the bills. <laughs> Of course, we have to work to pay the bills. Of course, stay responsible. But what about the adventures in Christ? Huh? What about that? Next point, application. Let us experience mighty exploit. Is it possible to do mighty exploits for the glory of God? The answer is through faith, yes. As we continue to grow in faith, which is also growing in obedience to his word, he will lead us to conquer in his name. Let me share to you about a name that I will never forget, that today he studied in seminaries, especially seminaries that deal with mythology. His name is William Carey, born 1761, died 1834. Who was William Carey? There were so many churches in England But before that, he was a poor boy. He found work with a cobbler, so they made shoes. He was so poor that he taught himself. He found a way to study Greek on his own. On his own, because he was so poor. Eventually, he took over the business, but it did not fare well. He was still poor, struggling to make the business float, afloat. Then he enrolled to add more languages. He studied Hebrew and Latin. He understood the scriptures and he talked to the churches then. We should go to the heathen. England and many parts of Europe know Christ. The heathen do not. We must cross the seas. 
and bring the gospel there. Elderly churchmen said with the wrong view of their theology, if God wants to save them, he will. You don't have to do anything or you don't need to be consulted on this. And that is a wrong view of looking at scripture. Partially it's correct. God saves whom he chooses, but he also commands us to go and make disciples. He chooses, but we don't know who, but we have to comply. If he, he met people and said, why don't we do it? Because the denominations of his day, the Christian denominations of his day did not support him. He said, the gospel must be brought there. And they crossed the seas. And what started was the coastland missions. They call it the first wave of modern missions. The second wave would be Hudson Taylor into the inner part. Why not? Why just stay in the coastlands? Why not go to the inner cities to preach Christ? The third wave is now on people groups. Understanding that it's not just geopolitical nations, it's groups of them with different languages because that is what scripture clearly stated. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. William Carey, a poor boy, struggling in life. <laughs> His name is remembered today. And he's quoted often. You know what, what, what's his people's favorite quote of William Carey? Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Let me say that again. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. No, this is not about you being a billionaire. This is not about you being famous. It's about the kingdom of God. Carrie was talking about the kingdom of God. Expect great things, but attempt great things. Think big. Let's go. Let's make a difference. Let's not just sit here and just enjoy ourselves. Let's stop complaining about how poor we are, how much we're struggling, but think of a great God and do something about it. One of the most amazing, amazing things in the Christian life is when we witness God's purpose fulfilled in our lives. When we say God's purpose, we mean the expansion of his kingdom. It means spiritual growth and the expansion of the kingdom through us and through our community. Church, let's do this as a church, not as individuals. You see, Carrie wanted the church to be with him. But clearly the church was not then, his, the churches he met then was not concerned about proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. And some churches today are like that. But we are not. We live and breathe it. In fact, many of you, since you learned Proclaim here, our seminar Proclaim, you've been dying to, to have those opportunities in your heart. You've been praying and that's the Holy Spirit that work within, within you, within us. Third point, endure the tests of faith. True believers face trials, but the trials are part of God's design. 
the testing of their faith will produce endurance. And we find that also in James chapter 1. Through faith, we will endure even in the face of death. It is a wonder how many have suffered and died in his name with joy. Huh? They stood their ground. They anchored in the word of God. They anchored their mind and their emotions there. It is also a wonder how many so-called Christians think they are believers when they are not prepared to suffer and die for Christ. You think you're a believer, but you're not prepared to suffer and die for him? Please renew your mind. We're prepared for anything. Depends on his will. Depends on how we, he will unfold it in our lives, that we are prepared for it in our minds, in our hearts. Genuine believers will persevere until the end. So are, are you a genuine believer of Christ? If yes, through faith, look, we will overcome trials and tests. We will overcome by God's grace. You see, maybe at some times we might fail, but the beauty of it, we can ask forgiveness and we can stand up again and go at it again, but you can never do it alone. That's why in the New Testament, if you observe how did they do it, they did it as a community. Paul never went alone, and he reported back to the church who sent him. There was accountability. We will stand on his word, and if we stand on his word, we shall prevail. Let me add one more person, because since we're talking about names, we're ending this, uh, the section on the names of people of faith. Let me add one more from history, aside from William Carey, another person from the 17th century, born earlier than Curry. Carey, I mean, not Curry, I'm sorry, that's not food. Carey, William, K-A-R-E-Y. John Bunyan is another name I'd like to introduce to you. And his name I will remember forever. And he's not only remembered among people of faith, he's also remembered in classic literature. Because what he wrote became part of the classics. You will find his writing. If you go to a bookstore under classic literature, there you will see Shakespeare, Fritz Gerald, and then you'll see Bunyan. Who are the others? Hemingway, Poe. And then you see their Bunyan. I said, oh, is this for real? A Christian book is here. John Bunyan was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Why? Well, he was imprisoned because of a related to a religious gathering, but somehow was outlawed where he was. It was a battle of religions those days within the state. There was no separation of church and state. So he was sentenced to 12 years, 12 years in prison for a religious gathering. And he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress while he was there. There's a purpose for the suffering. Find it. While you are suffering, you have to attempt for the glory of God. You cannot just say, oh, I'm suffering, I'm suffering until I die. You're dead. We're all going to die. Some of us will go ahead, some later. No, I'm not saying it's a small thing. It's a big deal when we die. But hey, we will all die but amidst these trials and suffering, will we attempt great things for God? 
In his suffering, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. In this pandemic, many of us suffered. I hope we attempted something for the glory of God in the midst of our suffering. But there are things I did learn during the pandemic. I started writing poetry, and through time I learned that I could write poetry. I could write poems, so I give you another one. Conquer and survive. With faith, the Holy Scriptures nod. Without faith, no one can please God. In fact, it is impossible, in other words, improbable. People of old gained approval. We should not be in denial. God looks for faith or God gives us faith and tests our faith. It's faith that keeps us in the way. Conquer kingdoms or mighty deeds, fire, lions, or the sea of reeds, mocking scourgings or even chains imprisoned alone with bloodstains. In my every waking moment and all Notable events, believers, let our faith prevail over anguish and all travail. In Christ we shall endure, O church, through his word and the Spirit's touch. We live and we breathe faith all day and our souls will know no decay. The impossible inverted, the improbable converted, by faith are weaknesses transformed, graced upon beyond human norms. We are limited, but faith in God will allow us to do the unlimited, the impossible, and the improbable. Through us, it will happen. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these names that inspire our faith. And we pray we would be one of them in the minds of others we know or the people who will hear our story. What matters is our lives glorify your name. As the scripture says, not unto us, not unto us, but to thy name give glory. Not to us, Lord. Through the suffering, may we do mighty exploits. May we attempt great things for God as we expect great things from God. We know that through our limitation, you will accomplish much. And sometimes you purposefully limit us so we would fully understand it is because of you, not because of us. Teach us not to seek for selfish attention or the world's admiration. Not even if we do things related to your kingdom. Only that our names, when remembered, when even mentioned, inspires faith. 
faith to you. Faith in the Holy Scriptures. Faith in Christ. Let our lives mean something while on earth. Oh, let us not pass away with nothing. We pray that even if we die, like Abel, our blood speaks. That your message will continue to speak through our death, even through that. We desire not to be great men or women. We desire that the remembrance of us, you are glorified. Lord, allow us to see every, every opportunity around us as for your kingdom, not for us. May we understand that everything that we have, that you allowed us to have, is for you. You have a purpose. So we surrender all to you this morning. By faith, they conquered kingdoms. Lord, by faith, through us, you will conquer hearts. And they will come to you because of the Father's choice. Because the Father will draw them to you. You don't need us, but you allowed us the privilege of being part of it. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God is good.